Hey everyone, and welcome to episode four of Something Worth Thinking About. Today we're going to be hearing from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount and what he had to say about divorce, something that actually in his day would have been surprising. And I remind you before we hear what Jesus has to say here in Matthew 5, 31 and 32, that the question of divorce was put before Jesus on a couple occasions as a trap. It was a question that was very controversial in his day. And here we are nearly 2,000 years later, and the controversy rages on. And some of the controversy is actually fueled by how we read, understand, and apply what Jesus said in response to those questions, as well as what he says here in the Sermon on the Mount. So we want to listen to what Jesus says. We want to understand what he says, but we also want to make sure that we don't try to do too much with this passage and make it say things that it doesn't actually say. Today we want to hear just two verses from the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. Here's what Jesus said. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, this is the English Standard Version, and different translations are going to read a little bit differently in all this. But what we want to remember is that Jesus has just said that a man who looks at a woman with lustful intent is guilty of committing adultery with her in his heart. So here he is, just a couple of verses after that, Jesus is giving us another teaching about adultery that goes beyond the basic command, do not commit adultery. And once again, Jesus is trying to get us to think more deeply about our lives and to not limit our understanding of what God's word has taught us to just what's on the surface. But what he says here does not make a lot of sense to our modern ears. We get the idea, I believe, we get the idea that a man who looks lustfully at a woman is committing adultery with her in his heart. He is the one who's lusting, so he is the one who's committing adultery. But in this new situation here in verses 31 and 32 that Jesus introduces to us, a man divorces his wife And it is his now former wife who is described as, quote, made to commit adultery, end quote. And not only this, whoever marries this divorced woman is also committing adultery. So a man divorces his wife and in the process causes two other seemingly innocent people to commit adultery. Got it? (laughs) Of course not. On the surface, this just doesn't make any sense to us at all. Why doesn't Jesus say anything about the man who caused all of this in the first place? He is the one who divorced his wife. What about him? Is he committing adultery? Well, instead of getting lost in the details, we we really need to ask ourselves, why is Jesus saying all this? And the short answer is because he wants us to think more deeply about marriage and adultery. Let's back up for a moment to his first description of adultery. I think this will be helpful for us. If a man lustfully looking at a woman is committing adultery with her in his heart, 
And adultery, as we all know, is a very bad thing. What's the point? What's Jesus trying to say in this? Well, the short answer is pretty clear. Men, don't look lustfully at women. I submit to you we need to approach this second description of adultery in exactly the same way. If what Jesus is describing in Matthew 5 verse 32 is true, a divorced woman is made to commit adultery, and the man who marries her commits adultery too. What's the point? Men, don't divorce your wife and cause all of this to happen. Now, what is going on in this section of the Sermon on the Mount? Just as Jesus wanted us to see something more and deeper at stake in the commandment not to murder, Jesus wanted us to see something more and deeper in the commandment not to commit adultery. Jesus does not want men to look lustfully at women, and Jesus does not want men to divorce their wives. This is exactly what the Lord had said to his people through the prophet Malachi. Go back and read through Malachi 2, verses 13 through 17. God could not have been more emphatic. He said to the Jewish men who were divorcing their wives and sending them away, I hate divorce. Stop doing this. You are doing violence against your wife. God has made the two of you one. Remain faithful and loyal to your wife. The Lord was acting as a witness against these men for their unfaithfulness and making their wives the victims of their heartless actions against their wives. God hated this and said to this, to these, to all these men, I hate this. Stop doing it. And what's probably lost to our modern minds is the strong sense of victimization of women in all of this. In a time and culture where women were suddenly or uh, would be suddenly and completely dependent upon men for home and financial support if she were divorced, a woman who had been shamed by her original husband through this divorce and be kicked out of her home would really have had no choice but to seek out a new marriage with another man if she didn't want to live the rest of her days in poverty, unless, of course, she could go back home and live with her father. But there was this incredible reliance of women on men in ways that we really can't fully grasp and understand in the 21st century, especially here in America where things are so different. But what I want us to understand, it really was a cold and heartless thing to do to your wife. Yet we know that it was happening because it was controversial and the question was being asked to Jesus. And we know that it's happening today not only here in America, but all around the world, where women are terribly treated by men in this fashion. And part of our problem today as it relates to the million questions we want to ask about divorce is that none of these teachings in Scripture address the specific kinds of questions we want to ask. We can read Malachi 2, Matthew 5, Matthew 19, Mark 10, Luke 16. Actually, there's only one verse there, verse 18. And and what Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians 7, and we'll see that all of these are consistent in telling the men of that time to be faithful to your wife. God has made you one. Do not divorce her and send her away. That is unfaithfulness. That is adultery in the same way that lustful gazing at a woman is adultery. Uh, the Apostle Paul will even go further to say to the Christian men of his day, let your love, love your wives the way Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is in Ephesians 5. Verse 25, and you'll notice here 
that I've been saying men because the language and the the context for this was a conversation about divorce specifically directed to the men because the men were the ones who had the rights, the power, the privilege, if you will, of divorce that really wasn't known to the women of this time and this age in the way that we would think of it today. And so the bottom line in all this is that God has a very high expectation of how men of faith, men of God, are to treat their wives. And this is what we must hear in Christ's words in Matthew 5, verses 31 through 32. Now again, we want to ask, I get it, a whole bunch of what-if questions. But those are not the questions that Jesus addresses here or elsewhere. All of his teachings are very specific and are squarely aimed at the men who had all the authority, power, and advantage in this matter in those days. Now, this does not mean that such questions are not appropriate or incredibly important. Notice, for example, that there is nothing here or elsewhere in all of Scripture about such basic things when a marriage ends as spousal abuse, child custody, or child support. Now, these are very real issues that we sometimes have to wrestle with in our world, and we need to wrestle with these things with grace and wisdom. And if we just come back to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus did not say that we are to treat a divorced woman and the man that she marries as social outcasts who are outside of God's grace. No matter what we may have done or what may have been done to us, our God is a God who brings redemption, hope, and healing into our lives whenever we seek Him, whenever we seek Him with all of our heart. In closing, I remind you that one of the most incredible stories of adultery in all of Scripture is the story of King David. David took Bathsheba into his home. Now make no mistake, all of the power rests with David in this story. The story makes this crystal clear. David brings Uriah from the battlefield to try and cover up his sin with Bathsheba. That didn't work. So David had the general of his army put Uriah in the heat of the battle and then pull away and let this innocent man get killed by the enemy simply to cover up your adultery. And then after this innocent man, this good man, has been killed in battle, David took Uriah's widow as his wife. And just let all that sink in. This is a scandalous abuse of power through and through, and it is adultery through and through. It's not even, well, I'm looking lustfully, even though that would have been enough. Jesus would have said David committed adultery even in that. But David did some terrible things. And when David was confronted by the prophet Nathan, David humbled himself before the Lord. God forgave David. He did not lose his relationship with God or his place among God's people. He did not lose the crown. He did not lose the throne. But the child born to Bathsheba died. And yet an extraordinary thing happens after this that I believe shows us the depth of God's love and mercy even when one of his children has committed adultery in the worst possible manner. The next child born to David of Bathsheba 
a man and woman who never ever should have been married to each other apart from David's scandalous adultery. The next child born to this couple became the next king of Israel. God not only blessed Solomon with incredible wisdom, Solomon is the one that God chose to build his holy temple. And what is more, Solomon is the one through whom God chose to bring the Messiah into the world. The Messiah came through the family line of Solomon, the son of David and Bathsheba. We must not misuse passages like 5, 31 through 32 to shut the kingdom of God in the face of people who have lived through the pain of divorce, no matter whose fault it was. We simply need to hear what Jesus wanted us to hear long ago. Men, don't divorce your wife. Love them, be faithful to your vows, be faithful to your promise. Don't divorce your wife. Mm -hmm.